Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today's Monday, June 29th. Boeing 737 MAX planes are back up. Reddit pulls down its controversial The Donald Channel. And we're focused on Facebook's Big Blues. In the past week, the world's largest social network has lost a slew of big name, big money advertisers. Companies like Verizon, Levi's, Patagonia, The North Face, Coca-Cola, Ben & Jerry's, and then Ben & Jerry's parent company, Unilever. Each of them signed on to a campaign called Stop Hate for Profit, which has asked companies to not advertise on Facebook this July in order to pressure the company into doing things like better protecting minority users, flagging hate speech, and preventing misinformation related to the election. Remember, it was just a few weeks ago that Twitter began putting warning labels on some of President Trump's tweets causing Mark Zuckerberg to say this. I just believe strongly that Facebook shouldn't be the arbiter of truth of everything that people say online. But then, as the trickle of ad boycotts turned into a flood, Facebook reversed course, at least on labeling so-called newsworthy posts from public figures that otherwise would break its rules. Now, why all of this matters is that this could become the most significant business model challenge to Facebook since we all went mobile. Yes, it is true that even the top 100 advertisers on Facebook combined only supply around 6% of Facebook's revenue, but it's also true that big companies set advertising trends that eventually filter their way down to those mid-sized and smaller businesses. If Facebook and social media peers don't nip this in the bud soon, it could become a destabilizing crack in the dam. To better understand the thinking behind these boycotts, we talked to Chris Miller, the head of activism strategy for Ben & Jerry's, which was one of the first national brands to pull its paid advertising on Facebook and Instagram, although it does continue to use the platform to push its social justice messaging. That conversation in 15 seconds. Axios chief technology correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. We're joined now by Chris Miller, global head of activism strategy at Ben and Jerry's. Let's go back a little bit. Prior to the call for a boycott by Color of Change and the ADL and others, had Ben and Jerry's been considering cutting back on social media ads or some other sort of Facebook specific boycott? While we had been watching it, I'll be honest, we hadn't come up with the idea ourselves. But when our friends and partners at Color of Change reached out on this, it was very clear to us that this was the right step to take. When you say it's the right step to take, for Ben & Jerry's, why is it the right step to take? And I ask this in the context, the company continues to post on Facebook, just not advertise on Facebook. That's correct. I think it is the right step to take because it is critically important that companies stand up and leverage the power that they have to get these social media channels to have some sort of moderation to ensure that the content that is being posted on those channels are additive to the conversations and debates that we're having within society and not undermining them. It becomes dangerous for brands and companies to be placing ads next to content that includes hate speech, that includes content that is anti-science, that includes content that is so divisive. And so 
this sends an incredibly powerful signal to the management team at Facebook. Not that Ben and Jerry's did this, but that you are seeing a number of companies, both big and small, who are willing to say, we're going to stop spending on the platform because these issues are that important to us. The Stop Hate for Profit campaign has a bunch of asks of Facebook and other social media companies. For Ben and Jerry's, what would it take Facebook to do to get you guys to start advertising with them again? Practical steps. What we're not interested in is negotiating with Facebook on behalf of the advocates and campaigners that are promoting this work. So there are communities of color that feel threatened by the kind of content that is posted on these social media channels. And so I think we will not be looking to Facebook to convince us that they're doing something. We will be taking the lead of our partners and friends who are leading this work. I would encourage, and what we would encourage Facebook to do is to sit down with Rashad Robinson at Color Change, to sit down with Derek Johnson at the NAACP and put into place a civil rights infrastructure within Facebook and these other social media channels to address address these very critical issues. Your parent company, Unilever, decided not only to pull its advertising from Facebook properties, but also from Twitter. Ben & Jerry's has only gone Facebook. Why not Twitter as well or other social media companies? For example, Coca-Cola has paused all social media advertising, Snapchat, YouTube, et cetera. Yeah, I think we're open to it. I think we're incredibly proud of the position that Unilever has taken on this. And we are reviewing our policy at the moment, but we are following the lead of our partners on this. And we are going to continue to support them and stand with them to see this campaign and these issues through. You say you're working with your partners and following their lead. Does that mean you guys will be pulling your advertising from those other platforms like Unilever has? I don't have an answer for you at this time. I think we will continue to be working with our partners to support their calls to action on it. As you know, the Stop Hate for Profit campaign is focused on Facebook. It's asking companies and brands to commit to pausing their paid advertising for the month of July. We are in regular and ongoing conversations with the organizers of this effort, and we're going to continue to stand with them on this issue. Can you give me a sense how much money Ben & Jerry spends on Facebook properties? I can't do that. We don't discuss the amount of money we put behind this stuff. I will tell you that it is significant. I can tell you that Unilever is obviously a very big spender as it relates to advertising on these platforms and Ben & Jerry's is as well. The decision to continue posting, so you're not paying Facebook to put you know, Ben & Jerry's ads for Cherry Garcia is one thing, but the fact that you're continuing to post on both Facebook and Instagram, you guys, and this is probably credit to you in part, create some pretty viral things on Facebook, some of the things you guys put on. Facebook's then basically selling those posts, right? Other people are advertising against them. So by continuing to put up new content on Facebook, aren't you still enriching Facebook? Look, these are complicated issues. I think the point of this exercise is two things. It's one, to send a message to Facebook that companies and brands care about this and they're willing to take an action to encourage Facebook to stop. Two, and I will speak only on behalf of Ben & Jerry's, we use these channels not only to promote Chunky Monkey and Chocolate Chip Cookie Dough. We have been actively engaged for two years in the need to reform the nation's criminal justice system. At this time, at this moment, I don't believe that we can unilaterally disarm. We're not going to pay Facebook to sell our ice cream and we're not going to boost our campaign posts on Facebook. We are going to continue to organically promote the idea that we need to reform our nation's approach to policing and the criminal justice system. And that's a message that more Americans need to hear. And we want to be a part of driving. Facebook obviously made some policy changes last week, at least vis-a-vis -vis political advertising. The company's official statement and position on it is that the changes had nothing to do with this particular Stop Hate for Profit campaign. 
mentioned that these things had been in progress for a while. Do you believe them? Let me turn that question around to you. Do you believe them? Unusual timing, right? I think, of course, they are feeling the pressure. The fact that you have companies like Unilever, like the North Face, who's owned by VF Corporation, Ben & Jerry's, REI, you've got P&G talking about this, billions of dollars of advertising. And to think that that isn't having an impact on the leadership at Facebook would be naive, I think. Chris, final question, which is an ice cream question. What is your favorite flavor of Ben & Jerry's ice cream? And what is the flavor most people probably don't know about, but they should? Favorite flavor changes all the time. The new flavor in partnership with Netflix called Chip Happens is unbelievable. It has this salty, crunchy potato chip swirl. I have no idea how the R&D people got this crunchy, salty thing in there. So that's delicious. This is an unsung hero in the Ben & Jerry's flavor portfolio. It's called Vanilla Caramel Fudge. It is one of a handful of flavors that have no chunks. Smooth, rich vanilla flavor with a caramel swirl and a fudge swirl. It is kind of unique in the portfolio. Chris Miller, Global Head of Activism Strategy at Ben & Jerry's. Thank you so much for joining. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Gilead, the maker of the remdesivir drug that's become one of the leading therapeutics to treat those hospitalized with COVID-19. Now, Gilead has been providing the drug to U.S. hospitals for free since getting emergency FDA authorization to distribute it back in May. But beginning next month, it'll charge an average of around $3,100 per patient. That news sent Gilead stock soaring this morning, although it then fell back down to earth after some criticism that the price might be too high. Now, to be clear, not everyone getting remdesivir will be charged $3,100. It depends on how long a patient's hospitalized and also if they have private or government insurance. I asked Axios Healthcare reporter Caitlin Owens what will happen if somebody doesn't have insurance at all. So this came up on a call today with HHS officials, and what they said is there is CARES Act funding that is supposed to cover the cost of this for uninsured people. How that works out, of course, is anyone's guess. Gilead actually announced two different prices, where one is for private insurers and one is for the government, and the private insurers are paying about a 33% more than the government is. Most patients in the United States have health insurance. There will be some patients who do not have insurance that show up. What is more relevant here, I think, is the cost to insured patients and to the government. And of course, when we're looking at people with insurance at the end of the day, we all do pay for it out of our premiums. Finally, we're also today watching beauty company Cody, which shelled out around $200 million for a 20% stake in Kim Kardashian West's makeup line. Why it matters is that this comes just weeks after Cody came under fire for its prior $600 million cosmetic deal with Kim's sister, Kylie Jenner, after Forbes alleged that Kylie wasn't telling the full truth to the magazine about her personal finances or the prospects for her makeup line. But today's news makes it sound like Cody is not too worried about doing business with the Kardashian-Jenner family. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national Waffle Iron Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.